Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before you take your seat, can you hug about two or three people? Say, I'm glad to see you on tonight. Glad to see you on tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Facebook, and if you don't mind sharing the Bible study on tonight, go ahead and do that for me. Uh, share the Bible study on tonight. Amen. If you don't mind doing that, amen. As you're doing it, I'm doing it as well. Amen. Amen. Is God not an awesome God? He's an awesome God. As you're doing that, I just want to give you a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, our marriage summit, our marriage summit will be next next Wednesday uh, for midweek service. Um, so it is for married people and single people as well. Amen. So everybody can come. We have, uh, I believe, three couples that are coming talk about our marriage. Um, one of them has been married for, I think, about eight or nine, ten years, something like that. Another couple has been married for 33 years, and we have another couple that's been married for 47 years that is coming to talk about marriage. So you want to make sure you're here. We're going to take questions. It's going to be a great, 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 great time. So you want to make sure you are here for that. And then the following week, everybody say the following week. Amen. Will be our single summit. So all the single people, you want to make sure you're here. It's going to be an interactive night, games, prizes, all kind of good stuff. It's going to be a great, great time. We have a special guest that's coming for that as well, and we'll let you know about that very, very soon. All right. Don't forget, invite someone to church on Sunday. We need to grow our services. Amen. Uh, nine o'clock. Make some noise if you're nine o'clock. Any nine o'clockers? All right. Eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. Amen. Um, we bless God. Amen for that 1130. They ain't telling y'all something about that 1130. I'm telling y'all right now. Um, the service started at 1130. Benediction was at <laughs> what was it? <laughs> it was 1235. Amen. Amen. All right. And we had church. Amen. In an hour and 10 minutes <laughs> we had church. So listen, I'm trying to tell you, it is an amazing experience. So make sure you are here and invite somebody on Sunday. We need to grow our church, our, ser our services. And we had one person to join the church on Sunday. Amen. Amen. So that means from the beginning of this year, we have, we have had 10 people to join this church. Come on, let's make some noise for that. Amen. Um, Sunday, I'm doing a message called Love is Hopeful. Love is Hopeful. I'm going to talk about how having hope in your relationships. You want to make sure you're here for that. All right, let's go into the word on tonight. Let's go into the word. Uh, we're in Love Is. Love Is. And on tonight, I want to do a teaching on uh, this subject, Love Matters. I know we said humility. I changed it. Love Matters. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, love matters. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4 through 8 is our foundational scripture for this entire series. I want us to read this together. I want us to read this strong and loud. Y'all ready? Come on, read.
um, if I was to summar summarize the entire Bible into one word, that word would be relationship. Everybody say relationship. Because the Bible describes, explains, and instructs us on our relationship to God and our relationship with one another. God created you for a relationship with him. You want to know your purpose? God created you for a relationship with him. And there is nothing in our lives that is more important than that. That's why the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse number one, it's on your page, let love be your highest goal. Do you see that? Let love be your highest goal. In other words, it needs to be our number one priority and life's purpose. Before any amount of money should ever, uh, uh, any amount of money should be our relationship with God. Before any career, any achievements, or any motivations, your number one priority should be your development and growth with your relationship with God. I know that it's hard because some of you think you know God through your money. And the only way you know that God is good is if you got some money. But some of us know that if you grow your relationship, money ain't got nothing to do with the relationship. After, after, after you done had your boo, after you done had your man, after you done had your woman, you need to have something a little bit more deeper than that. And that needs to be your relationship with God. That's why I don't get funny on God just because I get me somebody. Come on here. Because just because I get me somebody don't mean all of a sudden my relationship with God got to stop. My relationship with God was my foundation. It was my first. It was my first love. I fell in love with him first. And when I fell in love with him, I never knew a love like that before. Y'all don't know any Stephanie Mills in here. See, when you love God, God becomes the center. He comes, becomes the, the first. He comes your everything. And everybody else, I thank God for them. But at the end of the day, they are optional. God is a necessity. And is there anybody? in here that say, I got to have God in my life no matter what. Watch this. Jesus was asked, what is the most important command? And Jesus replied in Mark 12, verse number 30 through, 30 through 31. Come on, let's read it together. Read. God says, these are the two things that matter the most in life. Love for God and love for people. God created you and I to learn to love God and to learn how to love people. In fact, life is one giant lesson in love. Let me say that again. Life is one giant lesson in love. Life is not about how much I can get, how much I can do, or how much I can achieve. Because all of that will lead, you will have to leave that behind one day. Did you know uh, you worked hard for that car, but you can't take your car to heaven? <laughs> you, you put all them hours in that job, but you can't take your career to heaven. Uh, you're not taking your house to heaven. And I know that we have lived our lives putting so much weight on all that. But at the end of the day, you can't take none of that to heaven. It doesn't even matter. Honey, they could bury you with it. And, and it doesn't even matter because when you open your eyes in glory, uh, none of that stuff is even going to be there with you. But, you. but what are you taking with you? You're taking with you, here we go, your character. Okay. you taking you with you to heaven. Mm -hmm. So life is all about learning how to love. So on tonight, 
because I missed last Sunday, uh, last Wednesday, because I was out sick. I got to do a little catch up, all right? So we're going to do two parts on tonight. I got to do this first part, and I'm moving to the second part. Here's the first part. I got to talk about the three laws of love. The three laws of love. Love has laws. Here we go. Here's the first one. Write this down. The best use of life is love. The best use of life is love. You and I need to make learning how to love your number one priority, your greatest ambition, your primary objective, your greatest uh, 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 motivation. More than anything else, our focus should be on how to be, how to learn how to be a loving person, how to love God, and how to love others. Why is this so important, Pastor? I thought coming to church was important. I thought, coming, I thought giving my tithe was important. I thought speaking in tongues was important. I thought it was preaching. No. Your number one priority is learning how to love. Why is love more important than anything else? Here we go. Write this down. Number one, love validates my faith. Love validates my faith. Don't tell me you got faith, but you, ain't can't, you can't love nobody. Love proves that I really am in God. Let me say that one more time. Love proves that I really am in God. Love proves that I am saved, that I am born again, that I'm on the right side. It validates my faith. That's why Jesus said, you will know my disciples by what? By the love that they have for one another. Love is the demonstration of who we serve. <laughs> Love is greater than our preaching, than our teaching, than our singing, than our ushering, than our greeting. Because if you do all those things and you don't have love, then your faith is counterfeit. Okay, y'all ain't with me. Let me pull you in. If you can do the preaching, the singing, the dancing, if you can do the greeting, the ushering, you can be a deacon, a minister, give you any title you want to. And if you do all that and don't have love, it means your faith is counterfeit because you can sing to the people. You, can, you can't sing the people into the presence of God and hate the people at the same time. Come on. You can't serve the people by showing them to their seat and then hate the ones you serve it. Jesus said it don't work like that. Look at your neighbor and tell them it don't work like that. Mm -hmm. You can't sing and then talk about you love, you, you hate me. You can't talk about, oh, come on, let's get in the presence of God. Oh, and don't you feel his presence? But you spewing out hate all the time. Honey, get off the door if you can't love the people you hugging. Uh, stop singing. Put the microphone down if you hate the people that you're singing to because it doesn't mean anything because your faith is validated in the love that you show. Oh, y'all don't like this tonight. See, if you go to your ATM right now, you can say all day long, ATM, give me some money. <laughs> but it's not until, watch this, you enter the pen that it gives you access to the funds. God is saying that love is the pen that validates you actually belong to him. Not how much you go to church. Not how much you give in the offering. But if you are going to go to heaven, you have to validate your identity. God help me. And you validate that, that identity by asking yourself one question. Do I really love God? Mm. You don't believe me? Come on, let's go to the scripture. 1 John 4, verse number 8. Come on, y'all read, read. 
1 John 4, verse number 20. Come on, read. Um, you know what I felt in the spirit? Y'all jumped over that scripture real quick. You tried to read through it without really letting it resonate in your spirit. Go back to it. Let's read it one more time. First John 4, uh, verse number 20. You ready? Read. Stop. It's a liar. Is this Philip talking? This ain't Philip talking. Ain't this the word of God? The Bible says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, not your brother or sister, hates a brother or sister. See, that messed me up. Because it's one thing to hate somebody that you're close to, but now the Bible is saying you ain't even got to be close to them. The fact that you hate them and you're talking about you love God, God says you a liar. Come on, read behind the, per the period, four, go. Because love validates my faith. It proves that I am a child of God. Come on, some of you know. You know you have to love God. Because some of the people that have done some disgusting, nasty things to you, yet you can still look at them and have nothing in your heart. You ain't get angry, upset, bothered by them at all. And you can still throw your arms around them. You know you got to have God. Is there anybody here that say, I know I got God in my life. Because some of the people who did me dirty, and yet I'm still praying for them, and I'm still looking out for them. Come on. You don't know you got God in your life until the one who did you wrong had to come and ask you for some money and you don't look at him and say, oh, now you need me. No, you give it to them willingly. Why? Because I got the love of God in my heart. And when the love of God reigns in my heart, I'll make sure I'll bless you even though you cursing me. Is there anybody in here that say, I need that kind of love to reign on my job. I need that kind of love to reign down me with my family because I got to love some people that can't stand my guts. But that's how I know I'm really in God because I got the love of God on my heart. All right. So number one is what? Read that back to me. Love what validates what? Love validates my faith. Here's number two. Write this down. Love integrates my life. Love integrates my life. Love becomes the dominant principle of my life, which everything else in my life is integrated with. In other words, my social life needs to be shown through love. My church life needs to be shown through love. I don't want to sit next to nobody. My financial life needs to show love. My, my work life needs to show love. My friendships need to show that I got love. Every other part of my life becomes integrated by love. Because you need to have something at the core of your life that draws your life together. Let me go deep. Watch this. Otherwise, you will live your life fragmented. If you don't have something at the core of your life that's solid, you will live your life fragmented. You will live your life with pieces and holes missing. Watch this. If money is at the core of your life, then when it runs out, you fall to pieces. Because money was never strong enough to be at your core. 
if your relationship is at your core, then when it ends, you don't know how to cope. Because the relationship was never meant to be the core to hold you all together. But when you live life fragmented, watch this. Here's what I've discovered. Let me teach this just a little bit. When you live life fragmented and you ain't really got a core or a center that can hold you together, you know what you end up doing? A little bit of this and a little bit of that. And this little bit of this that you try to fill in the holes in your life. But when love is at the core, love is solid. Love is unchanging. Love is everlasting. Love is eternal. Love is faithful. Love will prop you up when you feel like you're unlovable. Love will fill you up when you don't feel worthy. Love will motivate you to be better even when you didn't feel like it yesterday. Love will make you feel good about yourself even on your worst day. So some of you haven't figured out what I mean when I'm saying love. The Bible says that God is love. So when I'm saying love, I'm actually saying God. God has got to be at the center of who you are because he's strong enough to make sure that you're solid, that you can stand flat-footed and believe. You got to know that God is at the core and at the center of who you are. You can make more money, but give me more of God. You can have another job, but give me more of God. You can have 17 relationships in the next two years, but as long as I got God as my core, as my center. I can't be shaken. I can't be knocked to the side. I can't be rocked here and there. Why? Because God is my foundation. He is my foothold. He is my stronghold. He is the one that I can stand on the rock and know that I will not be shaken. He ain't sand, honey. He ain't dirt, honey. Upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not be prevailed. I don't know who you got at the center, but you got people at your center and they're going to let you down every time. But I got a man that's at the center that holds me in the midnight hour. I got somebody that pulls me together when I feel like I'm falling apart. If you got God at your center, at your core, give him a little bit of praise like you know that he's your center. Mm. See, if he's at the center, if love is at the center, if God is at the center, when problems come, when emotions are overwhel overwhelming, you need something at the center of your heart that you don't fall apart. Look at somebody say, neighbor, I ain't falling apart this year because love is my center. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I ain't falling apart this year. I ain't going into pieces this year. I ain't, ain't, ain't going to the wayside this year. I ain't going to be crying six months over something that I should have cried one night over. Come on, because God is going to be at my center. I ain't going to be pulling my hair out. In fact, my hair ain't going to be falling out because of foolishness and craziness. When God is at my center, honey, I go to sleep at night, drool all coming out my mouth. Why? Because it is well with my soul because I know the man who controls everything. He, I, I don't have to say up all night because he's a God that never sleeps nor slumbers so why am I stressing myself out I'm going to bed I'm going to prop my feet up and I'm going to say watch God move because when God is at the center he'll hold you together when the world is falling apart oh, Colossians 3 verse number 14 come on let's read it together you ready read Love becomes the center and brings everything together. It integrates my life. Come on, read my points back to me. Number one, love what? Validates what? Number two? Here's number three. Love compensates for my sin. 
sleeping seats for my sin. This means when I make mistakes, when I sin, when I fall, God says, if you love me, then I'll cover over that sin. Say that one more time. When I make mistakes, when I sin, when I fall, God says, if they love me, I'll cover over that sin. Here we go. I'll compensate for it. I will pay the price for it. Look at Colossians 2, verse number 14. Come on, let's read that together. Read. I don't know how you read that and you didn't have a praise. Okay, I just, I just, it wrecked me when I saw the New Living Translation of this, of this scripture. I want you to read this one more time. And I need you to put in mind all your sins, all your mistakes, all your flaws, all your errors, all the times you made a mistake, all the times you said you weren't going to do it no more and you did it 17 more times after that. All the times that you said, God, I'm never going to do it again if you get me out and you went right back to it all again. All, I need you to think about all the times that you shouted, you danced, you cried over it, came to the altar, told God, God, I know you're going to get me out of this. He gets you out and you go right back to it again. I need you now to read Colossians 2, 14. Come on, read it. In other words, it ain't owe me no more. Come on, it's been covered. It's been covered. It's been covered. What messed me up with that was that word canceled. God help me. I want you to imagine what your credit report would look like if they canceled every debt out of it. Now think about your sin and look at the fact that God canceled everything that was on your rap sheet. Because love, love cancels the record. It keeps no record of wrong. It paid the price that I could never pay. And my compensation has been paid for it. Come on. Is there anybody in that's grateful to God that when you look back over your life and all the stuff you did, all the stuff you're doing now, all the stuff you will do in the future, but you got a God that says, I'm God enough, my blood is efficacious enough that I could deal with past sins, present sins, and future sins all at the same time. I need you to high five somebody and tell them it's covered, it's covered, it's covered. My debt has been paid. Oh, my debt has been paid. Oh, my debt has been paid. My Debt has been paid. Woo. Calm down, Philip. Calm down. Because there's some people in here saying, don't take all that. There's some people in here that say, don't, why are you doing all that hollering? It's on a Wednesday. You do that for Sunday. Don't do that on a Wednesday. Oh, but they just don't know how much you had to been forgiven. They just don't know all the stuff you done done. Oh, come on. Let's tell the truth. They don't know all the stuff you've done since Sunday. And here it is on a Wednesday. And they still covered. Is there anybody in here that say, I ain't got to go back to 20 years ago. And I ain't got to go back to 10 years ago. And I ain't got to go back to a year ago. I can just think about what what I've done since Sunday and the Lord himself covered all my sins. I owe him the praise because I thank God that he looked beyond my faults and he saw about all my knees and he placed it under the blood and he made it white as snow and though my sins be as scarlet, he washed them all away and is there anybody in here that's grateful that your sins have been forgiven? I thank you. I got to go. First Peter 4, verse number 8. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Mm. See, love covers a multitude of sins. 
What does that mean? When you love God and he loves you, it means it covers up all of your sins. When Jesus came and died because of his love for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the punishment for the laws you broke. God help me. He, 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 he said, watch this, I will do your time. Jesus said, I'll serve your sentence. Jesus said, I'll pay your debt because I love you. Everything you've done and everything you will do will be forgiven. God help me. Oh, because the love of Jesus covers my sins. Now we shouted over that. But that word right there, love covers a multitude of sins, also means it has a second meaning. The second meaning means once I've been forgiven, God now gives me the power to forgive others. See, we like that first part. We want to shout about how we've been, our, our case has been expunged. We want to shout about the fact that we've been forgiven. But, but God says, watch this, it ain't forgiven just one way. It's forgiven two ways. As I forgive you, now you got the power to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Because God cut me some slack, now I have the ability to cut other people some slack. I've been forgiven, now I can forgive others. This brings in the tension now. Because how is it that, that love covers a multitude of sins, I've been forgiven, now I have the ability to forgive others. How is it that the saints of the Most High God, the believers, church people, can be so judgmental? can be so self-righteous. How is it that the ones that's been forgiven the most are the most critical? Because when I look at it, God didn't give me what my sins deserve. Jesus, help me. Here's what I've discovered. If I'm judgmental, if I'm self-righteous, if I'm critical, it means that I don't feel forgiven or experience the grace of God for myself. The reason why we can be so judgmental, that we can be so critical, that we can look at other people and judge their lives so easily is because we really don't think we forgiven. And we don't think that we got the grace of God on our lives. You know why? Because when you understand how much you've been forgiven, it makes it easier to forgive others. God help me. When, when you understand how much grace God has given you, you start to be gracious to others. You know what that means? It means you don't get upset like you used to do. You don't, be, you don't get as impatient like you used to be. You don't get so angry like you used to do because you know how much you've been forgiven and since God covered your sins, now you can cover somebody else's sins. See, when you realize that God was that patient with you when he should have snapped you in half when he should have took the breath out your body when you made the mistake and now you got the nerve not to be patient with somebody else the devil is a lie if God was that patient with me I owe you the same patience if God was that merciful to me I owe you the same mercy I ain't got time to judge you I ain't got time to look at what you doing and what's going on with you all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and so since all of us on the same level and same playing 
playing field. The same God that was patient with me, now I got to be patient with you. High five your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I ain't got no judgment, no judgment zone around here. I ain't got no room to talk about you. I ain't got no room to be trying to look on your Facebook page to see what you doing or who you with. The devil is a liar. Because uh, if God snatched the covers back from what I'm doing and if God exposed me like I'm trying to expose other people, I'll be heartbroken. But he covered a multitude of sins in my life. If you're covered by the blood, give God just a little bit of praise. Let me tell you what this does. I got to quickly. This helps. Give me a, yeah, a little tissue. Yeah, I'm spitting all over the place. I'm sweating. I ain't bring no nothing. Amen. Go get me something. Amen. Hallelujah. This helps us to be delivered from the need. Hear me. Here we go. To be perfect. Because more important than being perfect is you loving God with all your heart. Watch this. If God was to ask you, if you were to ask God, God, which one do you want? You want me to be perfect or do you want me to love, with, love you with all my heart? God says, I would rather you love me with all your heart than for you to be perfect. You don't believe me. Come here, David. He was flawed as can be. David, the psalmist, the worshiper, praise God as he's bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant back into the city. Came out his clothes, he was praising so hard. The same praiser turned right around and committed adultery. Got caught in his stuff, then had the husband killed. Same, same David. The worshiper is now a murderer. Same David. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. God, y'all don't hear that. See, see, what you got to understand is God say, I ain't looking for perfection. I'm looking for somebody that can just pull their heart out their chest and say, God, here it is. Because if you can give me your heart, I can change your life. I don't need you to get it all together because if you could get it all together without me, then you wouldn't need me. But the fact that you could be flawed, but you can still be faithful. The fact that you could be messed up, but you can still serve in ministry. God is saying, that's the power because I don't need perfect people. I need imperfect people that got a heart for me, that want to seek me with all their heart, that love the Lord with all their heart, their soul, and their mind, that seek me with everything they got. There's some of us that know sometimes we mess up so bad, we come to the altar with tears in our eyes saying, I'm just a mess. I done messed up again. But God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I serve you. And God looks at you and say, see, that's what I need right there. Yeah, you messed up. And yeah, you done sinned. But because your heart is seeking after me and because your heart is see can I tell you something the reason why you so flawed and blessed is because your heart is after God the reason why you still got money in your pocket but you're still jacked up and messed up is because your heart is after God God is saying because your heart is after me I'll bless you with stuff you don't deserve is there anybody here that say pastor I'm one of the ones that's jacked up that's messed up but God still love me in spite of me and my heart is seeking after him that's why I come to church even after I messed up. That's why I still praise them after I done cut somebody out because my heart is after God. Mm. So stop trying to be perfect. He ain't looking for you to be perfect. All right, so now I need you to go back to the very first law of love. Go back to the very first one. What was the first one? Read it to me. 
Here's number two. Write this down. The second law of love. The best expression of love is time. Yes, that's perfect. I know I didn't have that on video. Thank you. Thank you. The best expression of love is time. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. First John 3, 18. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Mm. So love ain't just that I said I loved you? Mm. Let's, let's read it one more time. Read. What is, what is the most desired gift of love? It's not diamonds. It's not chocolates. It ain't flowers. The most desired gift of love, watch this. You ready for this? This is deep. It's focused attention. Focused attention. In other words, it's time. When I give you time, that is the greatest gift that I can give you is when I give you my time. Husbands, the greatest gift you can give is your time. Wives, the greatest gift you can give is your time. Children, it's the greatest gift you can give them. When you give them your attention, it is the greatest gift of love. Why? Because your time is your most precious resource. I said your time. Okay? This is why, can I tell you something? This is why when it comes to freedom, I don't, I don't, I don't have 17,000 services in a year. Um, I know y'all, you know, y'all about to faint over two services, but there's some churches that go in revivals every other month. They have pastor anniversary. They have the dog's anniversary. They have the old people choir anniversary. They got the evening service. They got a high noon service. They got the Saturday service. They got all these different things going on. The reason why I don't do that as much, watch this, um, we went to two services because of growth, not just because. Because we need to grow. Watch this. But the reason why I don't do that is because I'm very particular about time. Do you notice that services start on time around here? We don't wait on somebody. I'm coming. No, honey. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We, we start on time. And unless the Holy Ghost take over, we end on time. Because I believe that I don't need to play with the people's time. You could be in five million other places right now, but you chose to spend your time here. So I don't play with your time. When you come, I have something prepared. I don't get up and say the Holy Ghost is going to fill my mouth. He's going to fill it with air. When your children go back in children's church, they have something prepared. Why? Because we're not going to waste nobody's time. Okay? Because time is, a, is your most precious resource. See, you can lose money, but you can get some more of that. You can lose valuables, but you can get more valuables. But you are not getting any more time. Once it is gone, it's gone. We all, watch this for those that are stressed out because, you, you know, because of church. We all, every last one of us in here, have 168 hours in a week. How long church day? Anyway, um, we all have 168 hours a week. Every last one of us. 
you have 168 hours, I have 168 hours. We choose how we will spend it. When you give that time, you never get it back. So when you give people your time and attention, it means that they matter. Yes, you can be a good provider, but what they really want is your time. Yes, you could be good at making their life more comfortable, but what they really want is your time. Yes, you can try to solve all your children's problems, but what they really want is you. That's what love is. It's time. They, they don't need things. They need you. Time with you. She might not need another flower. She needs you. Watch this. Dr. Richard Swinson, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a doctor that deals with a lot of stress issues. I want you to see this. Virtually all of our relationships are damaged by hurry. Let, let that sink in just for a minute. Virtually all of our relationships are damaged by hurry. Many families are being starved to death by velocity. Our children lie wounded on the ground, run over by high-speed good intentions. God, I suspect, doesn't fit any better into our breakneck schedules than our children do. We walk fast, talk fast, eat fast, and then announce, sorry, I've got to run. Here we go. This is, this is teaching now. You have to be careful because when it comes to relationships, busyness feeds the ego, but it starves the ones that love us. Because you're always saying, I'm so busy, and that makes you feel like you accomplished something. But it could be that the ones that love you the most are starving because you never feed them time. Ephesians 5, verse number 2. Come on, let's read it together. Ready? Read. Watch this. He loved us. Underline, he loved us. And underline, sacrifice for us. He loved us. And offered himself as a sacrifice. Everybody say love. Everybody say sacrifice. Everybody say love. Everybody say sacrifice. Love equals sacrifice. I wonder if they love me. Do they sacrifice? Or is everything convenient for them? Can I tell you what y'all do? Let me just talk just for a minute. I'm going to be real good because I'm on Facebook Live right now. So I'm going to be real good with this. I'm be real good with this. But, buddy, if I was not on Facebook Live right now. <laughs> you know what we do? You know where we make the mistake? Um, we get in relationships with people, and because of our need not to be lonely, we insulate them so much that they never have to sacrifice for us. And so the moment that we want them to sacrifice for us, they leave us high and dry, and we drop. And now we are resenting the relationship. Watch this. We resent them. In actuality, we're resenting our own decisions. 
because you insulated them so well that they never had a chance to prove to you if they could sacrifice for you. That's why I say, don't you get serious until you go through some trouble. Because trouble will show you who that person really is. Watch this. Pastor, um, we got to get our priorities in order because the problem is that we're giving time to a bunch of stuff that don't really matter. So here's, here's my advice to you. Figure out the priority and fit everything else around it. Figure out in your life what is a priority and, and fit everything else around it. If your family is the priority, make everything else fit around it. Watch this. Saints, saints, because I got members that's watching me on Facebook Live right now. If church is a priority, make everything else fit around it. Uh-huh. I remember a couple years ago, we was in a tizzy. This, the, the preachers was in a tizzy because uh, midweek service was at the same time that Empire came on. <laughs> and we had saints saying, I'm going to miss church because I want to stay home and watch Empire. Empire became the priority. And so we had to fit everything else around it. Had a preacher call me say, oh, I'm changing mine. I said, I ain't changing nothing. Because if it's a priority, you can make it, watch this, on a, on a Tuesday morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. And if it's a priority, they'll show up. Y'all don't like that right there. Okay, let me put it like this. You ready? Ready? Let me give you a warning. You might need to write this down. Let me give you a warning. Stop giving your first class allegiance to second class causes. Stop giving your first class allegiance to second class causes. how I know they second class causes? Because in six months from now, they don't even matter anymore. Everybody say love equals sacrifice. You cannot give without, you, watch this, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. It is impossible. You can give all you want to without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And if it isn't a sacrifice, I'm here to let you know it ain't real love. Love means giving up. Love means I give up my time for your time. I give up my agenda for your agenda. I give up my preference for your preference. I give up what I want for what you want to do. That is a sacrifice. And that is what love is. That's why I'm scared. Um, I put some out. On Sunday, and I said, you know, what, what did you learn from the message? And somebody wrote on there, um, I learned that I might not be ready for a relationship. And I wanted to respond to her and say about 90% of the other single people in Freedom are not ready either. Because relationship means, watch this, Jennifer can't just get up and decide, I'm going to Orlando tomorrow. I thought about it, <laughs> and bro, Jimmy, I'm going to Orlando tomorrow. <laughs> Love means I have to give up in order. I have to sacrifice in order for there to be love. Oh, I'm sorry I messed up your plans to go to Orlando tomorrow. <laughs> 
The problem is, watch this, the problem is, watch this, hear this. The problem is that most of us, we don't even realize it, we are in time-starved relationships. We are in time-starved relationships. Not, not, not gift-starved, time-starved. Time-starved. I'm going to go somewhere that I wasn't planning on going, but I'm going to just go there. Um, most times, um, uh, men, I just got to let them into our world just real quick. The reason why we get annoying is because we want time and you don't see it. Bros, y'all going to let me come out here by myself? And instead of you getting upset that we're annoying, maybe you need to pump the brakes and figure out, maybe you just need a little time. <laughs> and the men say, amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, the laws of love, the first one is the best use of love. The best use of life is love. The second one is the best expression of love is time. Here's number three. The best time to love is now. The best time to love is now. Galatians 6, verse number 10. Come on, let's read it. To, are y'all getting something from this? Galatians 6, verse number 10. Come on, read. Whenever we have the opportunity, Ephesians 5, verse number 16, read. Watch this. Never procrastinate and show in love. So here's the application that I'm trying to get you to see. Who do you need to show love to today? Who do you need to call when you leave this service? Who do you need to go visit? Who do you need to invite over and show some love to? Watch this. Who on your job that everybody avoids that you can go show love to? I'm going to mess y'all good and up right here. Because maybe the reason they acting the way they acting is because nobody won't show them no love. And maybe God put you on that job, not for that check, but for you to be liked. All right, those were the three laws of love. Now let's deal with our text. Our text in 1 Corinthians uh, um, 13, verse number 4 through 5. I just want to deal with that. I don't know if I put that on your page the second time. I don't think I did. Um, it says, love is patient. Y'all see that? Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Look at verse number 5, and this is what I want to deal with real quick. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. All right? So we talked about loving God. Now let's talk about loving people. One of the ways that God builds your love, hear this, one of the ways that God's, God builds your love, here it is, is by testing it. Some of you are in a test right now, and I need you to see this. He tests your love by putting you around unloving people. And to learn real love, you must be around some unloving people. I call them the VDPs. Here we go. What are VDPs? Very draining people. Very 
training people. You are getting all kind of images flashing across your, your, your mind right now. Very draining people. Now, this is a generation where we want to avoid everybody, cut them off, unfriend them, you know, do all this wonderful stuff. But the reality is that you cannot live in a bubble, so you will have to deal with people that will drain you. Some point in life, sometime in life, if it's family, if it's work, if it's church, you're going to have to deal with people that will drain, suck the life out of you. And the question is, how do you deal with that, all right? Um, so let me talk about the very draining people. Let me give you the four VDPs. The first one is uh, difficult people. Difficult people. Difficult people are hard to work with. They're irresponsible. They're immature. They have personality defects. They're deficient in social skills sometimes. These people are typically rude and obnoxious. Here's the second set of people. They are demanding people. Demanding people. These are people that have an agenda. They are aggressive and pushy. They are manipulative people. They have to have it their way. Another spirit they love to operate in is stubbornness. And they always got to be right. It's my way or the highway. Here's the third group of very draining people, disappointing people. They don't mean to hurt you. They're well-intended, but they let you down. They break promises or they fail you in some way. These people generally can be unfaithful, disloyal, and break vows. Last set of people, number, number four, destructive people. These are people that want to harm you. They're intentional, hateful people, deceitful. They mean harm to you. They're dangerous and debilitating. Now we got an uphill battle. How do you respond in love to these people? So glad you asked. Because all four of these people are in your life some way, one way or the other. And God says, watch this, you still got to love them. So how do you do that? 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 5, love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no records of, of being wrong. Might not holler on this part, because I need this to settle in your spirit. Here's number one. Let's go. I must be tactful, not just truthful. In a generation where everybody trying to keep it 100, <laughs> in a generation where everybody talking about they real, Love is not rude. Love is tactful. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to respond evil with evil. When they are difficult, you don't have to be difficult back. I'm going to give you a little, 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 little sidebar to this. little sidebar to this. When they're being difficult, I want you to watch this. 
listen to them first. Y'all don't like that. Listen to them first. Because when you listen, you might discover, watch this, they may have a plan. I had a boss that I just couldn't listen to. Jay, come on. The staff knew. Listen, I suffered. <laughs> suffered. So, pastor can't tell you <laughs> of one incident that, I, that happened because you might not want to come back next Sunday. Because you'd be like, wow, he can act like that? Mm-hmm. monkey. I'm, t- I'm telling you, it was awful. <laughs> Here's the crazy part. She was difficult by nature. She was just difficult. But I wasn't open enough to hear the fact that what she was saying was the truth. I was coming in. And because I didn't like how you told me I was coming in late, I missed the message because of the method. So my question to you is, do the people that's being difficult with you, do they have a point? Maybe you do talk too much. messy. It's getting quiet now. (laughs) Maybe the people who are difficult with you do have a point. But have you stopped long enough to listen? Because if you listen sympathetically and respond tactfully, then that is the way that you respond lovingly to a difficult person. You listen sympathetically and respond tactfully. You listen lovingly and respond lovingly. We respond rudely. Let me, let me, let me go a little bit deeper. Let me go a little bit deeper because, you know, y'all church people, and so, you know, when y'all come to church, you know, we put this facade on like everybody in here just love everybody and, you know, we just all in love with each other. But the reality is that, um, no, that's not true. And so... Here's the problem, that sometimes when you have disagreements with people, this works in your, your marriage, this works in your friendships, this works with difficult people on your job, in your family. Watch this. Do you know you are responding rudely when you interrupt them? It is rude not to let someone finish their sentence. So while you mad at them being difficult, you're being difficult as well. You still don't believe me. Proverbs 18, verse number 13. Come on, let's read it together. I set you up for that one, didn't I? I set you up real good with that one. Come on, read it strong. Read. some type of way like I can't believe the Bible just talked to me like this. (laughs) And 
answering before listening is both stupid and rude. We are rude when we jump to a conclusion. Here we go. You ready? This real deep. Love listens. Love listens. With your children, love listens. Let them get it all out. People with tact have less to retract. I'm trying to bless y'all tonight. I had a whole week off last week. People with tact have less to retract. And because you don't have tact, you have to go back and clean it up. And I'm the master of this. I'm so guilty. I have to come back to people, I'm sorry for how I said that. I'm sorry for what I said to you. And here's what I do. Then I walked in pride because I felt like I was a big person enough to come and apologize to you. But if I would have stopped the behavior beforehand and listened to everything you had to say, I wouldn't have to come apologize to you in the first place. Somebody say, Pastor walking heavy tonight. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse number 31 and 32. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Eric um, Hoffer said this. He said, rudeness is a weak imitation of strength. Rudeness is a weak imitation of strength. Eric Hoffer said, rudeness is a weak imitation of strength. So here's how this works. How does tact work? Do you know tact and tone go together? Excuse me. Tact and tone have to go together. Okay, let's change the context. Watch this. You can say something difficult, but if you say it in the right tone, it will be received a whole lot better. Come on, preach it deeper. <laughs> tone can change the very meaning of the word. Hello. 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 You can say hello and 40 different tones, and they all mean something different. Here we go. What was number one? Read my point back to me. Number one was what? Here's number two. I got to go quickly. Number two, I must be understanding, not demanding. I must be understanding, not demanding. First Corinthians 13 says, love does not demand its own way. Look at Philippians 2, verse number 5 through 7. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Jesus was understanding and not demanding. Watch this. Let me put it like this. Saints of the Most High God, I need you to hear your pastor real good because this is a personal pet peeve of mine. This is a personal pet peeve of mine that I cannot stand, okay? This bothers me more than anything that the saints do. One of the greatest tests of your character is how you treat the people that serve you. The waiters, the waitresses, 
the flight attendant, the people at fast food, the mail person. Here we go. The secretary. Do you notice them? Do you know their names? Do you treat them with respect? Or do you bypass them because they're not important enough for you? No wonder you can't invite nobody to church. Is this too much for y'all? Is this too heavy? <laughs> Titus 3, verse number 2. Come on, read it together. Read. Stop. Read it again. Underline that word courtesy. You ready for this? What is courtesy? Showing love in little things. Showing love in little things. In other words, you're, it means you, you're, you're kind to people. Do you know most marriages actually die because of a lack of courtesy? Okay? The little things you stop doing. You stop opening the door. You stop saying, let me get that for you. You stop just calling them saying, just thinking of you. Relationships are strengthened by the courtesy you show. Not this, all of a sudden I'm pushing you out the way to get what I want, to meet my needs. Courtesy. Had a courtesy. Help me, Jesus, right here. To call people back. Help me first. Been there. <laughs> okay. How do you, how do you, how do you, how can you be understanding and not demanding? How do you, how, how can you be understanding and not demanding? You can be understanding and not demanding when you try to understand someone's backgrounds, battles, and burdens. I can be understanding and not demanding when I, when I try to understand people's backgrounds, battles, and burdens. Maybe the person on your job is nasty because their background, that's all they had to deal with every job they were ever on. So that's what they've taught themselves. That's how they have to act. But you can't understand that if, and you become demanding, demanding them to act a certain way because you never stop the breaks long enough to realize maybe they got a past. Maybe they, they done been through some battles. Before I can be demanding, ask yourself, do I know their background? Do I know their battles? And do I understand their burdens? Love is understanding and not demanding. Number three, I got to go quickly. Here we go. Number three, I must be gentle, not judgmental. Gentle, not judgmental. Stop being so rough. Stop talking to people so rough. Love, the Bible says, is not irritable. Galatians 6, verse number 1. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Proverbs 15, verse number 4, read. Mm. You can be honest and still gentle at the same time. Can I, can I say this? Can I say this? 
Stop making people have to understand how you talk before there can be understanding. But it's just how I am. No. No. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you say, and this is just how I am, what that says is God does not have access to that right there. You are pushing him out of changing you in an area that you know you need to change in. I was talking to somebody, they said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just old, and this is who I am. No. Then you are negating the power of God, and what that says is you don't have faith. Because God can change anybody. God help me. He can change anybody. There's some of you that if they said, if they looked at you wrong, you was about to set it off. But look at you now and how God worked on you and massaged your heart and changed you into a new person. You loving people and you hugging people. You used to come to church. You didn't want to touch nobody. And past they touched your neighbor. You be like, mm, I ain't doing all that. And now, hey, how you touch on it? Girl, yes. Hallelujah. Because God knows how to change you from the inside out. That's why you got to come to God every time you come to the house and say God change me all over again creating me a clean heart and renewing me a right spirit I'm saying you can't change yes you can yes you can number four and I got it and I'm done number four don't repeat it delete it don't repeat it delete it the Bible says that love keeps no records of wrong. See, when we hurt, when people hurt us, I want you to hear your pastor, we have two natural responses when people hurt us. You ready? We remember it and we re retaliate. We keep it in the recesses of our minds and rehearse it over and over again. And if, we, if you rehearse it enough, then you want to retaliate in some way. But love keeps no records of wrongs. Now, some of you are saying, I don't retaliate. I don't fight nobody. Stay with me because I'm about to bless you. Watch this. How do you repeat it? You repeat it in three ways. Watch this. How do you repeat it? You repeat it in three ways. Here's the first way. Go back. Go back. Emotionally. What does that mean? It means it's in your mind. You, you play it over and over again in your mind. What they did to you. How they said it. You're trying to trace back the moment where it went wrong. I'm trying to trace back. Well, what did I say? And you always make yourself to be the, vi the victim. You, when, you, when you play it back, you ain't never got no attitude. Can we just have some honest people in here? Come on, let's have some honest people. When you play it back, you ain't never got no attitude. You didn't say it with no attitude. I just said it like this. You don't even talk like that. So you repeat it in your mind over and over again. Here's the second way you repeat it. The second way is this, <coughs> relationally. Relationally. So what does that mean? You ready for this? In, in relationships, um, how does this work? The way you repeat it and you don't delete it, you don't let it go, you keep no records of wrong, you keep reminding. Relationally, you start to use it as a weapon. You let it simmer so that you can bring it out at the right time to throw it back in their face of what they did. Four weeks ago. But you hold on. Am I talking to anybody in here? You hold on to it. Because you want to use it as a weapon. Here's number three. Number three, 
You repeat it practically. Practically. What does that mean? So if the first two don't work, then you got to do the last one. Practically. That means now you have to tell other people. Because I, now I need a coalition to be on my side <laughs> to tell you how wrong you are. We don't talk to God about it. We talk to everybody else about our pain to get as many people to hate them like we hate them. I am in the house right now. I am in the house. But the Bible says love keeps no records of wrong. You ready? I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Psychologists say, watch this. I want you to hear this. Psychologists say that whatever you rehearse, you start to resemble. I need to stop right now because some of y'all can't take this. It's too much. I done gave you too much in one night. Whatever you rehearse, you start to resemble. So the hatred that you rehearse that happened to you, now you start to resemble it. Whatever you think about the most, that is what you move towards. So when you focus on the past, you'll be locked in the past. If you focus on the promises of God, you move towards the promises of God. You ready? Okay, let me put this in context. So um, before we went to two services... I started looking at numbers, and I said, Lord, I think we had like one Sunday in there in the month of January where the attendance was low. And I said, Lord, <laughs> you want me to go out here, and they have come to church now. And I was, I was at home fixated on it. About to call it off, about to move it back. I was like, uh, mm, 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 I ain't going to go through that. Because I don't want to go through the embarrassment of going after vision and vision not happening. Let me tell you something. When you get older, you start realizing you ain't got that many options to mess up anymore. You know, when you was in your 20s, you mess up all the time, you didn't care. But when you start to get a little bit older, you start to realize time is winding up, and I ain't got the luxury to make that many mistakes. I'm talking real talk right now. So I said to myself, I was like, uh, I don't know about all that. Watch this. And I'm praying. I said, God, now, what's up? You know, what's going on? And, and the Lord said to me, you need to dig a little bit deeper. Because you are equating a problem in one area as something that can come against what I promised you. I showed you what I showed you for a reason. The problem is, it's the process of in-between that you don't want. You don't want to go through the process of in-between, but I got to see, are you going to focus on the promise or are you going to focus on the problem? Because whatever you focus on is what's going to manifest in your life. So I got up before the people of God and said, we're moving to two services. Praise God. Oh, God going to do it. See, what y'all don't understand about vision is that's how I looked at y'all, but underneath this, I'm going like this the whole entire time. Like, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. And I promise you, 
I've discovered that when you focus on the promises of God, you start moving towards the promises of God. Your behavior changes based upon what you focus on. I need you to tell somebody, say, change your focus. Watch this. Last scripture. Proverbs 17, verse number 9. Come on, read this together. Read. Where you drag it back up every single time y'all have an argument. Or where you bring it back up every single time. Watch this. Some of you, this is my last one, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm done cutting you for tonight because I'm going to cut you real good. Some of you, when there's conflict, you don't get hysterical. You get historical. Everybody standing. Mm -hmm. That's all I got to say. It's the last thing on the page. I'm done. <sighs> we got some work to do. We got some work to do. We're quick to say I love you. But we don't understand the sacrifice that it takes to even put that word out there. We got some work to do. Because God does not want us to exist in that kind of cheap love. We got some work to do. And it's a process. It is a process. It's the everyday getting up and saying, I know God is making me to be who he wants me to be. I don't, I don't sit back and say, oh, it can never work out. No, the devil is a liar. Every day I'm getting up striving towards what he called me to be. Sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm really bad at it. But in spite of all that, I know that God is doing something in my life. And he's growing me. Can I tell y'all something? This is your pastor talking to you. I look at some of y'all. You have come such a long way. Some of y'all been under my ministry a long time. You have come such a long way. Such a long way. God done brought you a mighty long way. And who you used to be is not who you are now. We all got flaws. We got all got issues. But I want you to just take a moment and thank God where he brought you from. You used to just carry bitterness in your heart, but look at you. You ain't bitter like that no more. You used to carry the hurt. Couldn't see nothing but hurt. But now that you don't allow God to heal that thing, where it used to bother you, it don't even bother you no more. That's the greatness of God. And you couldn't do that on your own. Some of y'all know like me, I had to have God. Because that's the only way that I was going to get better. So God, we thank you for your word on tonight. We thank you for how you're growing us and grooming us. God, we thank you that even though your word cut us, it also healed us at the same time. God, creating us a clean heart and renewing us a right spirit. We want to love like you told us to love. We want to love like you told us to love, God. So, God, empty out of us anything that does not please you. Fill us up with your, your Holy Spirit. Fill us up until we overflow. And, God, we thank you now for what you're doing. 
thank you for the power of this word on tonight. We needed this word, God. God, we thank you for it. And we bless your name. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Give us travel and grace back to our respective places. Give us rest on tonight, God. Cover our family, cover our children, cover our homes now. Cover this church now, God. God, we pray even for Sunday. We've seen growth in this church. Now we're ready for overflow. Flood this church, God, with people that need to see you and none of us. God, prepare our hearts now, God, to invite someone to church on Sunday so their life could be changed forever. We thank you for the souls that will be saved and the people that will be delivered and how you're going to add to this church even more. We bless you and honor you, God. God, I pray for any sick among us, God, heal now. God, I pray right now I lift up uh, um, I lift up Lauren now, God, who's in the hospital. I lift her up before you, God. I lift up Angela, who was in the hospital but has been released out. I lift up Mother Palmer right now, God. God, you are a healer, and you are still in control. So we decree and declare healing now in the name of Jesus. We love you. We praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen.